Somebody asked me, what is the most important thing? <laughs> Other than Jesus. <laughs> That's a given. I said perseverance. Perseverance. You under, don't underestimate that characteristic in anybody's life, and especially in a leader's life. Next week, I'm going to be preaching on uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, and it talks about Paul. At the end of his ministry, he gets to write to Timothy. This is his last letter before he goes off to Rome, before he has an appearance before Caesar, before he is beheaded. And um, he writes to Timothy, and he says, please come before winter, and Demas has forsaken me for his love for the world. And I mean, just Paul. The greatest Christian that ever, ever existed on the face of the earth as a follower of Jesus Christ had his guys that forsook him. Just terrible. So, you're going to have that moment and sadness and uh, persevere. Just persevere for him. I want to talk tonight about... Uh, Matthew chapter 14, reading from verse 22, this is the story of Peter walking on the water with Jesus. Jesus walks on the water, and in verse 22, and reading from the ESV, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, and while he dismissed the crowds, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up into the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking <coughs> on the sea. <coughs> but when, he, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and they said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. <clears throat> so Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. And when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, <clears throat> Excuse me. Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Just so far. This is an incredible, incredible story. No, I'm fine. Thank you. This is an incredible story. I want to say to you as I start off this evening, a uh, life of faith is a life of risk. A life of faith is a life of risk. Going back and looking at some of the great biblical heroes in, in the Bible, we see Noah. Noah took 55 years. Yeah, he, he, he lived until he was like 950 years old. He took 55 years to build an ark. But this was building a monstrous structure in the middle of land. But he took that risk. I look at somebody like Abraham who left a little place called Ur 
And actually, it was quite a sophisticated place to go to the promised land. Moses, he led the people out of Egypt. Joshua crossed the river Jordan and entered the promised land. David confronted the giant Goliath, this 17-year-old confronting probably the biggest man in recorded history. Elijah confronting 450 prophets of Baal. This is all risk. These are guys that took a risk. Daniel saying, I refuse to eat the king's food so that I, I, I would defile myself. I refuse to do that. And he ended up in the lion's den. A life of faith is a life of risk. And we see in this story, Peter takes a huge risk. Like all of the other guys, they, they, they refused to settle for status quo. They didn't want to do that. And if nobody else was going to stand up and lead the way, he himself would lead the way. So today, tonight, we're going to look at this story. It's a story of radical discipleship. Taking a chance in Jesus. If you're afraid to take a step, then it's not a life of risk. And sometimes we want to take a step knowing that that's going to be solid ground on the other side. And that's not what risk is all about. That's not what faith is all about. So I want to challenge you tonight to take a step. And I, I, I've entitled this sermon... If you want to walk on water, if you want to experience the miraculous, if you want to be with Jesus, knowing his hand upholding you, if you want to walk on water, you have to get out of the boat. You have to get out of that place of security and get out of that place of comfort. So the story starts off straight after the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus has fed the 5,000 from five loaves and two fishes. He fed 5,000 people, and the people thought, this is wonderful. Let's make him king. <laughs> and Jesus knows this enthusiasm is a little on the shallow side. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to stand for this. So he says to the disciples, I'm going to dismiss the crowd. I want you to get in the boat and go over to the other side. I'm going to go up the mountain after I've dismissed the crowd and pray for a while. So he dismisses the crowd. He goes up the mountain and the disciples go. So they start off in the second watch. So the second watch is at 9 o'clock at night, and they battle for six hours until 3 o'clock in the morning. Now, I just want you to know that the Sea of Galilee is 200 meters below sea level. It's surrounded by mountains. So in an instant, wind can funnel down these mountains in these funnels and hit that hit that sea, and it can become stormy in a moment. And this is what happens. So the Jordan River flows into the Sea of Galilee and flows down into the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is the lowest part of the Earth's surface. It's about 600 meters below sea level. But in the Sea of Galilee, a storm has brewed. And the disciples are there, and they're struggling, and they're battling, and Jesus comes to them in the fourth watch. And he comes to them, and they, first of all, they're struggling. They're wet, they're tired, they're exhausted, they're fearful. And now, Jesus comes walking to them, and they think, it's a ghost. Uh-oh. 
and they become more terrified. That's what the Bible says. They were fearful. They see a ghost, and they become terrified. And Peter hears Jesus saying, don't be afraid, guys. It's me. Peter shouts out, Lord, if it's you, bid me come. And he comes. Why did Jesus come walking on the water? Going back to the Old Testament, we see that God wanted to show Moses his glory. But it's too much, too much power, too much glory. So he put Moses in the cleft of a rock and his glory passed by. God was going to do something extraordinary. To Elijah, he said to Elijah, you go up the mountain because I'm going to let my glory pass through. And he was up and he watched the glory. When, when God says, I'm going to show you something spectacular, then he appears in that way. And this was a situation, and Mark tells us in his version, in his gospel, that Jesus wanted to pass them by. He wanted to do something spectacular with the disciples. This was a moment where he was going to reveal something something special, supernatural to them, that he was going to not only be the Lord of earth, but the Lord of heaven as well. He's a supernatural God. He is a supernatural Lord in the same way as he is Lord of nature itself. And so Peter calls out to him and says, come, and he gets out of the boat, out of that place of security, out of that place of comfort. The winds are howling, the waves are high, it's dark, and Peter gets out of the boat and walks to Jesus. Let me ask, what's your boat? What's your place of security? What's the place you go to for security? That you are tempted very often to put your trust in that. When you start to step out in faith, you, you become fearful and you get back into the boat. What's your boat? Well, that's gonna, we're going to look at that in a little bit. What's your boat? What's that thing that gives you security? So what keeps you in the boat? Let's answer that question first. Just when you're satisfied. Satisfied with life. Content with everything that's going on. You don't need to prove it. Prove yourself to anything, to anyone. I think it's a sad day when somebody is completely satisfied with the life that you're living. With the things that you're doing. The thoughts that you're thinking. I think it's a sad day when you become satisfied. The one who is contented with what he's done will never be famous for what he'll do. Max Dupree said this, we cannot become what we need to be by remaining what we are. <clears throat> and the surest way to have contentment 
and peace of mind and peace of heart is to lose yourself in something bigger than you. And especially if it's got something to do with God. When, you're, when, when, when with God you've got plans, you can plan big because you're planning with God. Don't be so self-satisfied. And lazy. <clears throat> Laziness. Oh, my word. This is like a rust that comes onto every metal, even precious metals. It just creeps up. It's like a weed that just comes and suffocates your dreams. I love the story of John Wesley, <clears throat> a great man. He was so influential at the time when England was going through its darkest moment. And God raised him up and brought revival to that place called England. He started the whole Methodist movement, Wesleyan movement, but he was such an influential man. He preached over 40,000 sermons. I thought about that. I think I've got a little bit of catching up to do. Although I've been in the ministry for 42 years, I've got a lot of catching up to do. 40,000 sermons. The doctors, when he got to 83, prohibited him from preaching more than 14 times a week. He traveled 320,000 kilometers on horseback so he could preach. When he got to 86, <laughs> The doctor said to him, you need to slow down. But when he got to 86, he was frustrated with himself because he felt that laziness was creeping in because he felt a, a compulsion to lie in bed until 5.30 in the morning. Seriously? Seriously? And how about what stops you is self-esteem. Self-esteem. Not seeing yourself in the proper light. You see, many of us, many of us have got just this bad, bad image of ourselves. But we need to realize, we need to know that we've been touched by God, we've been redeemed by God. I mean, I'm just once again so overwhelmed at that song that we sang, Fountains, just now. Just bring that one verse up. I mean, just this incredible, I mean, those words, I mean, I hadn't planned this, but if, just the first verse that we sang. I will never forget the moment I met you, the moment you called my name. You pulled me out of darkness, gave me a promise to never thirst again. Jesus has intervened in our lives. He has filled us with his Holy Spirit, and the Bible clearly tells us that you are a mighty victorious warrior. We need to see ourselves as this. Maybe one of the things that causes us not to get out and to experience the miraculous, to experience walking on the water with Jesus is because we're not prepared to rest, uh, risk. We're going to fail. No, you're not going to fail. Yes, you might fail, but you know, through failure you can learn a whole lot of stuff. You see, one of the things that we need to, go, to, to realize is that God specializes in working beyond us. And the reason why we are not accomplishing what we need to accomplish is because we're not even attempting it. See, how can you, in baseball, how can you steal to second base if you've still got your foot on first base? 
We have to let it go. Dr. J.A. Holmes said this, Never tell a young person that something cannot be done. God may have been waiting for centuries for somebody ignorant enough to do the impossible, to do that very thing. You will find that great leaders are really realistic about other people's standards. So Jesus says, come. That's the safest place in amongst the storm. That's the safest place to be is to responding and obeying the word of God in your life. And Peter gets out of the boat and he starts walking towards Jesus. He's focused on Jesus. What's the best definition of faith? Concentrating on him. Looking at him. Best definition. And as he walks, he realizes, the waves are big. The wind is strong. He takes his eyes off Jesus and he starts to sink. You know, I've got a children's Bible and it tells that story because it's a famous story. It's one of those big stories that we tell the kids at Sunday school and a children's church. And Peter is up to his navel in the water crying out, Lord, save me. Ah, Peter sank. Listen, Peter walked on the water And then he sank, but Jesus walked up to him, pulled him up, and they walked back to the boat together. None of the other disciples could say that. It was only Peter. Only Peter. And we need to realize that this guy was a guy who got out of the boat and he took the first step. We're part of Joshua generation. When Moses died, it handed over, the leadership handed over to to Joshua. And a number of times in Joshua chapter 1, be strong and be courageous. Be strong and be courageous. And the last, be strong and courageous as the Lord is with you. And in chapter 3, it says in verse 13, When the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, rest on the waters of Jordan, the waters of the Jordan flowing from above shall be cut off and they shall stand up in a single heap. They, were gonna, they came to the Jordan River. It was in flood and they were going to cross over the Jordan River to the promised land. And the priests who were carrying the ark of God, as soon as they put their feet in the water, they had to take a step into the water. They would have looked pretty stupid if, if they went up to their knees, up to their waists and water and the waters didn't stop. But they had to put their foot in the water first. You have to take a step first. Moses, first of all, the Jordan River is called the descender. The thing that descends, because it comes down to Galilee. Comes down past Jericho to the Dead Sea. The descender can take you out. It will cause you to go (laughs) and descend down. But they had to obey. Put your foot in the water. Moses. Moses in the wilderness. God says, what's in your hand? It's a stick. It's my staff. Throw it on the ground. Turns into a snake. Whoa. 
What's that about? This is a sign. When you confront that Egyptian powerful tyrant leader, that's going to turn into a snake. Pick it up by the tail. We know that the best place to pick up a snake is at the head, not at the tail, because it leaves the business end of the snake free to do its thing. And he obeys, and he picks up by the tail, and it turns back into a staff. But he had to obey. There are a number of other illustrations. Naaman, the Syrian army commander, goes to Elisha, says, I need healing. Go and bathe in the river seven times. So he goes. He has to bathe seven times. In, out, seven times before he experiences healing from leprosy. Gideon, how many men do you have? 32,000. Get rid of some. Do, do, do you know what you're doing, Lord? I mean, we, we, we need men to go and fight. Quite a hectic army called the Midianites. Get rid of some. And he had to winnow 32,000 down to 300, but he had to take that step. You have to throw a seed into the soil. It has to die before it becomes fruitful and it gives a harvest. You have to do that first. That's the principle. Take a step first. Get your feet wet first. There are implications. Fall in love with a woman, a girl. You're going to get married. Woo-woo. Woo-woo. You don't know what, rounds, what, what happened around the corner. Huh? I started my ministry in Durbanville as a young assistant. I went to Milton. I was there for 12 and a half years. And in Milton, we planted out to a Tableview church. It was Presbyterian. And there was a young guy, became a teacher, fantastic, became a principal. He was the principal of a school, primary school in Rondebosch. And he retired last week. 65, wasn't experiencing the best of health, struggling with his sugar level, and he retired. The next day, first day of retirement, falls down and he's dead. What is that? What is that? You don't know. We embark on something. We take a risk on something, but we don't know the implications. We raise children. <laughs> we don't know if they're going to be little angels or little brats. <laughs> we don't know. But we embark on this thing, and it's a risk. 
It's a risk. But all that we need to do is to focus on him, to look to him. The best advice that I can give you tonight is look to him. Concentrate on him. Jehoshaphat was the leader in Judah, and three mighty armies ganged up against Judah. And there he was in Jerusalem, and he thought, oh, these three armies. And this is what he said, Lord, I don't know what to do, but I look to you. We can be in that same situation. <laughs> I don't know what to do, but I look to you. Peter got out of the boat. He was experiencing the miraculous, and he looked at Jesus, and he walked on the water. Commit your ways to the Lord, says Psalm 37 and verse 5. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. The RSV says he will act. The in the New American Standard Version says, and he will do it. Step out in faith. So what is your comfort level? What is your comfort level? I'm going to sit there. I'm not going to participate. I'm just going to praise the Lord in my heart at the back of the church. Is that your comfort level? After Nolan has said, come to the front, participate. Why do you, why do you come to the front? Why? Let's ask that question. Why do you come to the front? You come to the front to say, I'm going to praise this God, this great God who has just done so many incredible things in my life. I'm going to praise him with all my heart, with all my life. Hebrews 13 and verse 15. It says quite clearly, Through Christ, therefore, let us continually Offer God a sacrifice, a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips that openly professes his name. I want to say to you, step out of your comfort zone and come to the front, participate, step out of your comfort zone, share the gospel with somebody. It's great to be able to talk about Jesus with fellow believers. But I'm a little hesitant to speak to an unbeliever about that. Listen, the gospel message is the greatest message that anybody can hear. What's the greatest thing that happened to you? It's the day you met Jesus Christ and you experienced his salvation. You experienced that assurance that you will one day be in eternity. What's the greatest message you can share with somebody? It's the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, evangelism is not about us. It's about God and what God has done through Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ wants to do through you in the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you comfortable in your job? I'm paid enough. Well, good for you. I don't think there's anybody really on the face of the earth that's paid what they're worth, what they think they're worth. <laughs> But I'm comfortable in my job. Hmm. There are people that qualify for a profession in their 20s. They go into the profession and they know God's call in their life. They know that God is calling them. 
but they resist it and they resist it. And at the end, when they get to that place of retirement, they've got a fat bank account. They've got a fantastic stock portfolio. They've got trophies in their chest. They know that God has been good to them, but they'll never get around that fact that one day God called them. There was a guy in the Bible the rich young ruler who came to Jesus one day and he said, hey, Lord, what must I do to have eternal life? Obey the commandments, says Jesus. I do that. He's a good guy. He obeys the commandments. I do that. Then go and sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. can't do it and he walked away and he walked away what is your comfort what is your comfort you see there are signs that maybe your Christianity is just too comfortable you've come to church with a very low level of expectation I want to say to you come early Come participate in the prayer meeting. Come and ask God to pour out His Spirit. Come with an expectancy that you're going to minister to somebody, that you're going to give a prophetic word to somebody. Come with the expectation of going to encourage somebody. I'm going to share the good news. I'm going to share what Jesus has done in my life and give a prophetic word to somebody. How's the Bible? Is it lifeless to you? You look at the Bible. Is that your comfort level? I want to say the Bible is God's word. It is bread to the hungry, water to the thirsty, light to the lost, a guide to our feet, and a rule to our heart. How about your finances? Very quiet, guys. Very quiet tonight. <laughs> Are you giving sacrificially? Hmm? Are you continuing to grow? Or you're just comfortable. Just continuing to. I want to say to you, you need to grow, grow daily rather than you can't grow a whole bunch in a day. You grow daily, little bit by little bit, little bit by little bit. You know, there was a tribe, the Tartar tribe in, in Asia, Central Asia. And they had a curse for their enemies. Listen to this. The curse wasn't that they would experience disease. The curse wasn't that their swords would rust. The curse was, may our enemies stay in one place forever. Hmm. Are you growing? Or are you just comfortable? Are you willing to get out of that boat, out of that security, and walk on water with the Lord? You see, sometimes we have to put ourselves in a different environment. There's some species of fish that if they put into a small aquarium, they'll only grow to a few centimeters, 10 centimeters maximum. But if they're let out into the ocean, they can grow up to two meters long. What comfort aquarium are you in? I want to say to you, get into an aquarium. 
that you are able to grow. And don't be scared. Don't be scared. Jesus said, be not afraid. And we need to take those words. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to get out of the boat. Don't be afraid to walk towards Jesus. Don't be afraid. You know, the Bible tells us 366 times, do not be afraid. That's for one day every week, for every day. One day, one promise for every single day. And one extra, just in case you're having a really, really hard day. 366 times. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7 says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And Peter sinks. And he cries out, Lord, save me. Shortest prayer. Shortest prayer. Lord, save me. Jesus pulls him they walk back to the boat. As soon as they get into the boat, the storm subsides, which reveals the incredible authority and power that Jesus has at that moment. But Jesus says to him, you of little faith. What does that mean? You of little faith. In the Greek, it just means little faith. It's not a rebuke saying, uh-oh, you doubted too much. But rather it's saying, if you trusted me more, you could have continued walking and walked right across the lake. You could have walked right across the Atlantic Ocean if you trusted me more. How are you trusting? Next week I'm going to do a funeral of another friend. So get to a certain age and your friends start dying, you know, so... But he's a wonderful man. He was a little older than I. Saw him six months ago. He visited Cape Town. He lived in Cambridge. And he had cancer. And he was given, he was given the uh, diagnosis that this cancer is going to unleash. It's going to be very deadly. And he took six months to die. And he lasted up until about a week ago. And uh, he died. You know, I, I've come to realize, just one life, just one life, that's it. Only what's done for Christ will last. Hmm? I want every moment for the rest of my life to count for him. That I would embark on a strategy, embark on an action to enlarge the kingdom of God for Jesus. That's my, my dream, my task. How about you? But I have to get out of the boat and walk on water. Are you prepared to get out of your comfort zone and experience the miraculous and walk on water for Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this story. We thank you that this is a story of Peter walking on the water. It's not a story of Matthew or Bartholomew or James walking on the water, but Peter walking on the water. He is the only one 
that the story is about. And I want to say thank you, Lord, for that story. Thank you that because we've heard your command in our lives, that we can get out of our boat and start walking on the water. To begin to experience the greatest thrill in our Christian lives. To see opportunities in God that will amaze us and realize the awesome presence and favor that you have given to us. We cannot become what we need to be by remaining what we are. Thank you, God. Thank you that you are a Lord of miracles, that you can take five loaves and two fishes and feed multitudes. You can take and see two mites being given into the offering from a poor, poor, really poor widow and use that as an example down through the ages. You can take a stuttering fugitive called Moses and get him to defy a world-powerful dictator and his army. You can take the blood-stained cross and make it into an empty tomb. You can take 12 bumbling followers and fill them with a dream and a vision that will spread across the world, that will change humanity, and it's a dream that refuses to die. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are Lord. Thank you that you are supremely resourceful. Thank you that you make a difference in each one of our lives. And as we realize the potential that Jesus has given to us, we see the incredible blessing that comes. Lord, tonight we concentrate on you. We focus on you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. So I'm going to ask for a response now. And if tonight you have just felt challenged by this story and this word of Peter walking on the water, I want to say to you, if you feel that you need to step out of your comfort zone and experience and start to experience the wonder of his hand holding you as you do the miraculous in your life, get out of your comfort zone and start to experience the miraculous. If that's you tonight and you feel, yes, that's what I want to do, I want you to stand tonight and I'm going to pray over you and for you. If, if, if there's anybody here tonight, I want to have this opportunity to pray for you. Thank you, Lord. We bless your name. We bless your name, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you. We look to you, Lord. We look to you. We concentrate on you. Lord, I pray for each one who has stood, each one who has made the decision tonight. Yes, Lord. I, I don't want to be satisfied with the security and with comfort. I want to be satisfied looking to you and experiencing the miraculous that takes place. We look to you. When we look to you, Lord, fear looks like a slain giant. Trials look like gifts of grace. Failures bow to victory. Sin has lost its hold on me. Endless love is all that I see. Thank you, Lord. As we look to you, we see every wall comes crashing down. Chains are broken and we'll walk and we'll even dance on those crashing waves. We look to you, Lord. We look to you.
Thank you, God. May they continue to be risk-takers, Lord, for the kingdom. Risk-takers. Shake us loose from the security of staying in the boat. Help us to be able to walk uh, in faith. Risking wonderful things for you, Lord. Things of the kingdom. Because we believe that Jesus is the one who holds us up. Bless them, Lord. Bless them, bless them. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.